2: Good morning Cleveland. Here we are, another awesome guest this week as we're continuing our look at a draft position room and prospects out there. So we've got on the fantastic Kyle Kelly. Kyle, how are you?
0: It's good to be with you. Thanks for having me on. always look forward to uh, chatting Browns, kind of my second adopted team. So uh, we'll have a good time for sure talking to Baker Mayfield's Cleveland Browns.
2: Uh, it's, it's so good to uh, not look at a draft and go, oh no, where are we going to get a quarterback? And then it's, it's weird following like all you guys with the draft network and all the content. It almost feels like we've been snubbed. We're, we're not on page one of your chats. We're not on the first show you do when you're talking about mock drafts. It, it almost feels like we're getting a little bit ignored in the draft community this year.
0: Well, I don't know about ignored, But it has to be such a a breath of fresh air, as you said. So um, its uh, I think I saw the stat, the last 11 quarterbacks to win the first round, 10 were traded up for, and Baker was the only one that wasn't because they originally had to pick at one. So uh, it'll be fun, I'm sure, for you guys to kind of explore some other options about, like, a whole new world. What else is possible in the realm of possibilities in the first round instead of just hunting quarterbacks?
2: we're going to be sweating it out because from years it's like our four picks into the draft, five picks into draft. We, we knew who we were getting and you only had to sort of mock in your head, sort of two, three teams that were going to ruin your plans. And then now 16 different picks before we pick It's it feels crazy to sit there as a Browns fan and uh, it's going to be nervous on draft night.
0: Yeah. You got a lot of landmines in front of you because I know there's a, a lot of Browns fans hoping for a lot of different things and, uh, it's not, not going to be an easy night for you guys, as you said, so uh, buckle in.
2: No. So today we're focusing on the O-line. Um, had an insane season with three um, top performers in Zeitler, in Tretter, in Betonio. Unfortunately, some questionable tackle play. Um, we've managed to paper over the cracks with some fantastic scheming from Freddie Kitchens. Despite the two tackles not having a good second half of the season, we managed to reduce the amount of hits. I think it was something like was less in, than 10, right? Yeah. Less than 10 in great weeks. It's like, it's, it's insane how awesome they're able to produce better. You can always get better. So if we look, we'll jump in with offensive tackle first, them names in round one, This most people are saying everyone's going to be there on the board other than Jonah Williams.
0: Uh, I actually like this offensive tackle group quite a bit I've got right now four grades on our four first round grades on offensive tackles including Jonah Williams uh, Cody Ford right tackle for Oklahoma he has experience on the interior as well Jawan Taylor right tackle from University of Florida I thought improved by leaps and bounds this year and uh, he's a really special athlete he could physically play left tackle but he he has not been tasked with doing so so that's a something the Browns would need to vet and see if they feel comfortable with. And then uh, Dalton Reisner, who also has interior and offensive tackle experience at Kansas State, who had a terrific week at the uh, Senior Bowl and came in and and met the threshold for for arm length, which I know some people like to poke fun at. But it is a real thing, And, and that length is valuable, especially for a guy like Reisner who isn't the most fleet of foot, but he frames his blocks really well and he's got extension seals. So the interesting dynamic here for the Browns, is three of those guys played right tackle in college. And the looming need on the Cleveland offensive line is, you know, what do you do with Greg Robinson? And do you bring him back? And what would he ask for from a dollar's perspective? And can you rely on him to play at a high level? So um, no easy answers here, I'm afraid. But there there are talents available that could feasibly be there at 17.
2: Now, so one name that I've heard, um, Dillard, um, is that someone you just – don't quite value into that first round
0: yeah he's not my my type if you will Um, he's very fleet of foot he's got great foot speed and I like his ability to set himself up for success but he doesn't carry a lot of pop in his hands he uh, gets pushed back quite a bit because he doesn't stun pass rushers to the degree that you would like and that leads to a little bit of a soft anchor and at Washington State no, they ran so much quick stuff and, and this spread offense and the, the balls out and three-yard crossers on like 40% of their throws. And I just didn't really think he was tested to the degree. And I the concerns that I have with him were masked a little bit by the style of the play that they had there at Washington State.
2: So, hey, Paul's just joined us. Hello, Paul.
1: Hey, guys. How are you?
2: How are we doing? We so, we've just wrapped up the uh... – Prospects there in the first round. If we wanted to sort of wait until that second round, is it going to be deep class when it, we're looking at offensive tackles, or is it going to be one of them things you address in the first round or you don't?
0: It would be interesting to see if West Virginia's Yadin Kajust was still on the board. Uh, he is somebody that I grade probably in the the high two range now. With the depth of the offensive tackle class. And the situation around all, a lot of these guys with potentially kicking inside or staying on the right side, it may kind of cause a domino effect that could allow him to get down there. And I really like his athleticism, his ability to get on the boundary in the run game, and he's another guy with really long arms. And The problems that I have with Dillard are not applicable at all to Kajuse. This guy's got super heavy hands. Uh, he He negates pass rushers pretty consistently. The issues with him are more framing his blocks, and the the pass set doesn't have the smoothness of a Dillard or some of the other guys that I'm I'm higher on, uh, like Juwan Taylor or Jonah Williams. So, uh, Kajus has his own sets of strengths and weaknesses, but if you're looking for a second round offensive tackle, that's realistically the only one that I would be banking on, unless you want to take a roll of the dice on another high upside low floor guy in David Edwards out of Wisconsin who's got uh, he's more of a third round target for me kind of where I valued Colton Miller last year who ended up going in the top 20. Uh, Some similar issues as far as false steps in their pass sets and uh, Edwards was formerly a tight end who's bulked up and he's got great size and functional strength and he's a mauler in the run game but uh, he folds at the waist pretty quick chasing guys in pass sets and that that scares me a little bit.
2: Okay, and then third round, is there anything left at that point? or
0: I think it's where you can start having the conversation for me personally on guys like Dillard and Greg Little from uh, Old Miss who's almost cut from the same cloth of a Greg Robinson where really, really big body is more athletic than you would expect he is. He meets all the physical benchmarks, but the technique there is a little sloppy and... Yeah, I, I saw some waxing and waning with his effort level as well. So uh, that's, for me personally, my taste in these players and where I would value. And that's about where the Greg Little conversation needs to start, the Dillard conversation needs to start. Will those guys be there? Because Dillard and, and uh, Little are, are in the conversation for some analysts as being potential first-round guys. So if the NFL wants to bet on their upside, then, hey, they might be out the boat, but that might bail you out and get one of these other guys to drop down the list a little bit.
2: Okay, and then sort of any of them day three prospects, the players that there's something issue with them, but it might be worth taking a little punt on one and uh, hoping they work out.
0: Yeah, Titus Howard is a small school kid that I really like. Uh, Dennis Daly from South Carolina had some success against uh, some of the top flight pass rushers throughout the course of this season. Uh, Ali Udo was a Shrine Game participant, another small school kid who physically he's like a first-off-the-bus type guy. He is a monster as far as the physical traits that he presents. Uh, he actually got the call-up to the Senior Bowl after a successful week at the uh, the Shrine game. So NFL teams have had two weeks of working with him in a very close capacity, and you know, round four is kind of that, okay, this guy might be a starter someday. He's got starter qualities, but technically we've got to rework him from the ground up. Ali Udo is one of those guys. Uh, there's there's talent up and down, and and it's there's some balls of clay, um, Udo being one that's really interesting to me. It's just you don't want to overvalue those players because sometimes you see teams jumping up into the third round and, and getting those guys in before the end of the second day, when everybody has a chance to kind of reset their draft boards.
2: Carl, uh, I've
1: got a question for you: Is uh, during the uh, draft? Uh, off season how much time do you actually invest daily onto uh, studying players oh geez
0: um the past four years i've watched 300 players and depending on how intimate i know the players film if i'm watching them throughout the course of the season if i did prep work on them for the summer writing up a player evaluation could take anywhere from one and a half to three hours so if i'm just getting to know a guy that i didn't watch during the season I did the background work. I watched tape from each of the years that this guy was a starter, trying, trying to just get a vibe on what that player's progression looked like because not everybody progresses in an upward linear fashion. You know, there's, there's a human element here, and sometimes these guys have personal issues going on off the field that might influence their play on the field. So I guess long story short, depending on the guy, one and a half to three hours per guy – at least 300 players per
1: season. Wow. I can't believe uh, how much time you spend on that.
0: It's a a labor of love. We always joke about it. It's uh, it's when you're counting, because we've had a firm and hard 300-player goal in mind for the last couple of seasons, you start counting up until you get to 150, and the best moment in draft season is when you switch over from counting up at 150 – to starting to count down at 151 because you know you're on the back half of that hill and that number gets smaller every time you check another one of those boxes.
2: So day three prospects on the interior because we won't use any other high picks there are there any sort of guards and centers that you've liked and sort of players that could develop into something?
0: Yeah I, I, I think this interior group is interesting because the only guy that might be a first-round pick for me is Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. Uh, Garrett Bradbury's talked about that conversation. I think that's a little rich for me as well. Um, Bo Benchweisel from Wisconsin is a, a name that has a lot of power on the inside. He can really push people around, but he doesn't have the the fleetest of feet, and he's uh, I don't want to say stiff, but he doesn't have the most dynamic base. And so What I mean by that is his feet don't really do well when they're tasked from playing out from underneath his hips. So you get very linear blocking paths with him, uh, which is our areas of concern, but he can certainly play and uproot people at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Eldon Jenkins from Mississippi State is another one, kind of cut from that same cloth. Uh, Nate Davis from Charlotte is a small school kid that played tackle who will definitely be playing on the inside level of competition and functional strength issues there may end up having him as a day three guy as well. So there's likable guys here. And I think the lack of positional demand for the interior offensive line, you could get a guy that could be a long-term starter in the fourth round in this year's group.
2: Okay, so that's a fantastic uh, list of names. I'm going to go away and watch some of them a lot more closely, especially that tackle class with them uh, first three-day names. Um, Strip away the position from it. If you had to make a prediction now, and I know it's still quite early, what would you say are the Browns' picks at 17 and 49?
0: If Christian Wilkins is there, I would love to see Cleveland go out and nab Christian Wilkins with the uh, uh, 17th overall pick. Putting him next to Larry Joby would be a a great one-two punch on the interior. Uh, And uh, Christian's got some some flexibility and uh, versatility in his game that I think is a little underrated. As far as the second round, I'd love to see him go out and get a pass catcher for me personally. Like if Debo Samuel's there, a guy that can attack all three levels of the field, I think that would just be a wonderful addition to this wide receiver core. Uh, Think of a lot of the ways that you saw Antonio Callaway use last year and get a guy that's as dynamic, can give you some flexibility in your personnel, has better hands as far as I'm concerned, can attack the ball uh, vertically down the field has special teams value I think that'd be a really great boost and kind of fortify a wide receiver group that's good and they performed well in the back half of the season last year but I think they need a little bit more spice to them and I think Debo Samuel would give them that
2: okay so obviously fantastic follow on Twitter where did the bad takes drinking come from
0: uh the first one stemmed from I am a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. And the uh, the Dolphins, the, the, the running joke was the Dolphins make you drink with a couple of buddies of mine. So I posted a, a picture or a video of me uh, chugging a glass of whiskey when the Dolphins were in the headlines for something. And people were like, Oh, how much did the apple juice cost and stuff like that. So it's kind of just became like, Oh, like, this is going to be a thing where you guys are going to associate this with me. And then every week you turn on the college football broadcast and there's some crazy comparison and just kind of made the jump from okay you know my team can make me drink because it's depressing but these bad comparisons can make you want to pull your hair out so I might as well start drinking (laughs) these too
2: and then you've got the fantastic little dog that sometimes appears in the videos and there's one where he's just looking you almost like what you what you're doing
0: yeah, stop killing yourself before I'm left here without you, and there's no one here to feed me. Yeah, that's that's her thoughts almost exclusively. So,
1: Kyle, we have something similar. Um, when mean uh, the Browns win, we celebrate with uh, popping a bottle of champagne.
0: Listen, I don't know how much you guys can afford to keep doing that starting next year because <laughs> the, you guys are going to start winning some football games here. So,
1: yeah, here's, here's a world exclusive for you, Kyle. It's actually prosecco. <laughs>
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. I'm going to start breaking in that tradition with you guys starting next year then. How's that?
1: Perfect.
2: I, the fear that I've got is that all this talk of going to be um, primetime games for the Browns. It's like, that sounds great on the surface, but that means one kickoffs in the morning for us. So that is not a good day the next day, whatever happens.
0: Listen, it's worth it. I, I guarantee you as somebody who's in the same boat, um, maybe not as far as the time differential, but as never getting primetime games. The primetime games are definitely fun when you get them and there's a different energy to them. So I think you guys will have a blast with them, even if you're you know, not in your regular sleep schedule for three days afterwards.
1: Carl, I've got a question for you as a Dolphins fan. How did you feel losing Landry?
0: Um... I was disappointed to see him go, but I understand why Miami chose to do it with the financial implications that were involved there. And, uh, Gase at the time really wanted to implement more team speed at the receiver position. And they weren't really getting a lot out of run after the catch opportunities and the efforts to do so really paid dividends in the first half of this year before injuries kind of settled in and uh, knocked the receiver group down a couple pegs. But, uh, Jarvis is a great player. He's a great emotional leader for your team. You know you're always going to get 100% out from him on the field. But I do think he is a little bit of a, a system-style player where you've you got to manufacture him some touches. He's not a guy you're going to throw out in the boundary and just let him run down the field and be press coverage and stack guys consistently. But he's a, a route technician. I think he's done a wonderful job making the most of his physical talents to be a guy that always has great production in the NFL.
2: Hi thank you so much for coming on plug yourself um, locked on um, NFL draft the draft dudes 2 awesome podcasts. that's where I get all my uh, draft coverage from every day awesome stuff and then also obviously the draft network
0: sure uh, you can find all our written stuff at the dot we try and really be a one-stop shop I think I saw the guy say we have over 400 written reports for 2019 NFL draft prospects at this point so We got all those guys in a database. It's super easy to search and find them. We invite you guys to come over, take a look around. Uh, Our audio stuff, myself and Joe Marino are on Draft Dudes Podcast. You can follow that on uh, almost any podcast medium that's out there for your smartphones or your computers. Uh, John and Trevor are at Locked On NFL Draft, and we do super show crossovers with them every Friday. So you get the four of us on the same show, which gets kind of messy, but we have fun with it. So, always good and then uh you can follow me on uh twitter at Grinding the tape
2: no just thank you so much for coming on and just keep up the great work these guys all of them over there are doing such awesome work so if you want to keep up to the draft and some of you guys you'll just want to listen to more draft now it's this time of the season go over there but all year round they are producing awesome content so um if you ever want to know draft you've got a team of four fantastic people doing podcasts and then you've got all the other written and content on that site it is well worth going and finding them out thanks for having me guys really appreciate it
1: thanks a lot Carla. will we see you at the combine uh carl
2: yes
0: sir uh we're gonna have our whole conglomerate there so we'll be rolling in four or five deep
1: excellent thanks carl thanks for your time
0: thank you